1: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale Spangler.
0: And this week's guest is Motorsports Marketing Manager for the KTM Group, MagArgubright. Moto America is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, home of the AMA Superbike and North America's Premier Motorcycle Road Race Series, is coming to Atlanta. Come see 190 mile per hour plus superbikes as they take on Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, April 22nd through the 24th. Tickets are now available at MotoAmerica.com along with VIP, camping, and Harley Davidson packages. There'll be seven classes of road racing including the ever popular King of the Baggers and Roland Sands Super Hooligans. Enjoy three days of practice, qualifying, and racing, as well as stunt shows, carnival games, and a motorcycle show. Fun for the whole family and kids under 12 are free. Visit MotoAmerica.com to purchase tickets and reserve your camping spot. Tickets, info, and a complete schedule can be found at MotoAmerica.com forward slash tickets. Be sure to follow MotoAmerica on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
1: This week's race recap is round four of the FIM MXGP World Championship coming from Ageta, Portugal. In the MXGP class, wow, Jorge Prado has been starting strong all year, and uh, he was up front both motos, really kind of had things under control. In his main competition, Tim Geyser really had to work his way up. At the end, it was uh, Prado taking the win with a 1-2 over Geyser's 3-1. To me, it looked like the Prado show, him out front on that gas gas, just looked solid and strong.
0: Yeah, definitely Prado was impressive, pulling actually both hole shots and leading the first moto, like you said, from start to finish, he got a little bit of pressure from an on-form Brian Bogers. How about him, man, that, on the factory Husqvarna? Landed his first MXGP podium with two four moto scores for third overall. Geiser, of course, rebounded to win the second moto, took third overall, but his uh, 3-1 moto scores, unfortunately, didn't beat Prado's 1-2. Yeah, so he ended up with the overall. MX2 world champ Maxim Reneau, wow, struggled. 11th place in both motos, crashing each time out, and uh, dropped to third in points behind Prado, who moves into second. My biggest takeaway, though, it seems like Geiser has a handle on this series. Uh, he now has a 21-point lead over Prado, and he just seems cool, calm, and collected as he leads the field.
1: That whole Yamaha team is sitting P4 through P5 in the points. You've got Renault, followed by Jeremy Sewer, and Clint Koldenoff in uh, fifth. So, uh, Watch that Yamaha team. They're pretty hot, and I expect good things out of them this season. And uh, I guess we'll watch them in the next round.
0: How about MX2, Dave? Tom Vial took the win over another rider that seemed like he came out of nowhere. It's been on form, Mikkel Herup, who uh, finished second place overall. His best finish, I think, so far to date. Iago Geertz, points leader, finished third on the day. Took a pretty nasty crash in the first moto. Took a little header over the bars and did a face plant and rebounded to ninth, but uh, his 9-1 moto scores were only good enough to give him third overall.
1: Just goes to show, I think Geertz is the man to beat in the class, but Vial is coming on strong. He always starts strong. Starts out up front most races. Uh, in the points, Simone Lagenfelder drops to four, so uh, good on Mikel Harup for moving up a, a position in the points and really uh, some great racing and some new names that we haven't seen in racing, at least not making podiums and top fives. So, watching this MX2 class develop as these are the future of MXGP.
0: Again, some notable riders for me were Mikkel Harup, as I said, that you know finished second, and then his teammate Kevin Horgbo got third in the second moto, finished fifth overall. Biggest takeaway though, anything can and does happen in MXGP racing. Slippery circuit took down quite a few riders at this round. Could have been much worse for Yago Geertz, but he leaves the. You know, that round with a 16 point lead over Tom Viel going into round five. This week's industry spotlight focuses on MX Sports Pro Racing's announcement that it's scouting Moto Combine program will return for 2022 in conjunction with the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship. Scouting Moto Combine program was created by MX Sports to facilitate the ongoing development of the next generation of aspiring American professional motocross talent. Following a successful 2021 debut season, the program's second year will again be held in conjunction with select rounds of the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship and has expanded to include three invitational gatherings of pro prospects. Look for Scouting Moto Combine activities to be held on the eve of the Redbud National, Ironman National, and season-ending Fox Raceway National. Information about the Scouting Moto Combine and Lucas Oil Pro Motocross can be found at ProMotocross.com. like to give a warm Pit Pass Moto welcome to Motorsports Marketing Manager for the KTM Group, Meg Argubright. Meg, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. How are you today?
2: I'm good. Thank you for having me today.
0: So it seems like I've noticed that the KTM Group, there's never a lack of projects going on over there. seems like there's so much stuff going on at KTM. In fact, I think I saw recently, maybe a couple months ago, that KTM broke ground on a new corporate headquarters there in Murrieta. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, There's definitely never a lack of projects around here. And it's been in the works for quite some time now. But we're essentially building a campus just up the road from where our current offices are now. We've acquired more brands. We've got quite a few more employees than when I first started. And so to support the growth here in North America, we're building a campus as the North American headquarters here in Murrieta.
0: So that headquarters, will that be just for KTM or is that kind of the whole group? So you have Husqvarna, GasGas, Gas and KTM, like what, all be in one giant headquarters?
2: Yep, exactly. So the whole group, all brands, all departments, top to bottom.
0: So tell us a little bit about your specific role as the Motorsports Marketing Manager there at KTM. Like what does your day-to-day job entail and, and how did you land in that current role?
2: Some background. I didn't really grow up riding or racing necessarily. I le- I was a late bloomer. So I learned to ride in my early 20s. And I learned to ride by racing, basically, because I'm, I'm quite competitive. So that was really where my love for motorcycling began. At the same time, I was a creative writer. And I was actually editor for Verb Off-Road. It lived for a short period of time. It was part of the Verb Moto family. So my background is really in creative writing. uh, And I uh, got a job here within the KTM group, basically with a company called Kiska um, as a copywriter. And so that's the design agency for all three brands. And so I was in that role for about five years. And with that, we did some research on motorsports as it pertains to our brands here in North America. And through that project, we ended up developing a proper motorsports marketing department. Uh, And with my background um, in racing, it was tasked by management here for me to grab this department and start to establish it here. And so this was last year. And my role as motorsports marketing manager is to look across the group. So KTM, Husqvarna, GasGas, also looking at e-bicycles and things as those start to come in for Husqvarna and GasGas. And really our objective is to support sales, right? With our product, we're a product-driven company. So my role is to support sales through marketing, to drive racers uh, into our dealers across all the different brands. And so you know, through that and through our activities, of course, we want to help support the growth of motorcycling from young riders all the way up to returning riders, old riders, new, young, old, women, men, children, top to bottom. And in my role, we look across all different brands, all different segments. So, flat track, trials, MotoGP, which of course is a, a North, uh, sorry, a global activity. But you know, this week we have Coda. Uh, right here on our home turf, of course. And then we've got supercross, motocross, every anything that we're racing um, essentially comes through our department from a marketing perspective. So we look at our achievements in racing. We support the race teams how we need to, but we also do on-site activations like trackside support and things like that.
1: Wow. As I can imagine, marketing a brand in, in this industry has got to be difficult, but trying to uh, Russell, three brands down to the ground has got to keep you on your toes, and 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 you've got your hands full. I mean, what's for you? What's the biggest challenge in marketing the brand or the brands? And really, what kind of what data drives that? What date? What data drives your decision making on how you're going to market each brand?
2: So for us, brands are are huge. We pride our our companies on being brand focused. So I mentioned Kiska before. There's a Kiska headquarters, and they uh, work par- in parallel with KTM. Group over in Austria. Their role is to really help define the corridor and what the brand is for all three brands. They also work with other companies as well, but for KTM, it's the ready to race brand. And anything that we do from our marketing activations to the way that we communicate to our consumers, to the way that we communicate internally to dealers, the way that the motorcycles are designed is all driven by being a ready to race company and a ready to race brand. And so the other brands also have their own identity. So, Gas Gas. It's get on the gas. And so the tonality around that is it's about having fun on two wheels. It's about doing it together. It's a daring brand with some really um, deep Spanish roots. And so we want to communicate that as well. And then for Husqvarna, it's been on a little bit of a journey, but it's known as the pioneering and premium brand. And so our activities that we do reflect those brand promises in everything that we do, and not just in motorsports, but in our trade marketing department, PR and communications, uh, in sales. So it's really top to bottom. The brand is what drives the direction of what and why we do the activities that we do.
1: I wanted to ask you specifically about the EV platforms, because I know you're you're directly involved with the KTM Junior Challenge, which has gone EV, and we know it's coming, and we always like to ask our industry guests these questions about that market. How would you market the EV vehicles differently to draw people in, draw outsiders, people that are not normally in that hardcore motorcycle power sports mindset? How do you draw in the other people to the EV platforms?
2: Really the approachability from my perspective is unmatched, whether it's a rider who has just moved up from an electric and e spike bike, like a Stasic, for example, it's the natural next step or progression for that rider. And it's approachable because you don't have all of the other elements of a traditionally, um, you know, loud fuel powered uh, motorcycle. This is obviously within the last five years or so, a newer aspect to our sport, but with our KTM Junior Supercross, for example, we're a fully electric uh, program. And this year was the first year that we've not implemented the program, but that we've really asked riders, Hey, have you ridden an electric motorcycle already? And all of them are saying yes. Whereas, you know, last year, the first year that we came out with the model, it was kind of hit or miss. This is still a really new concept for parents and for riders. And so... We're really starting to see a lot of these kids move up from the electric balance bike onto these electric, you know, 50s. And so the the crossover is so much easier and smoother. And it's also easier, for example, for a mom to take their kid to go to the track. There's less maintenance. It doesn't have to be dad who's maybe more technically sound to look after their kid. So, you know, and it's also quiet, right? So you you don't have to necessarily be on public land, you can be on, on private property. A lot of kids are riding them in their backyard. So the approachability. Of the electric product in particular, for me is is really really interesting, and I think what's really going to help drive more growth in our sport at a young age.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I hadn't really thought about that connection of you know getting off the Stasic bikes, which are already electric, then straight on to these electric you know KTM's. So on that subject, though, of the KTM Junior Challenge, what is I'm curious to know what it's like you know being a part of that program, what it's like running that program, and what's a typical day like for you and the racers at the junior challenge? Cause this seems like it's such a popular, you know, program. It's the fans seem to love it. The riders love it. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, a typical day at the KTM junior challenge.
2: Yeah. A typical day is just straight up so much fun. We meet different families from all over the country, sometimes from all over the world. And these kids are just in awe and and the parents really kind of are too. And from start to finish from the time you know, our connection with them begins before the time that they arrive. So Jennifer Leeds is actually uh, the project lead for the KTM Junior Supercross program this year. And she's done a phenomenal job with it. She's been around the program for quite quite a while. And so her communication starts uh, weeks in advance. And so that's really the first time connection. So we're, we we want to make sure that parents feel very comfortable bringing their children to our program to spend the day with us. And when they, when they get to the event, somebody is there to greet them right as they ca- uh, come through registration. We take them to the truck. And basically, the whole day for them is just set up and structured. They get a full set of trolley designs gear. The motorcycle is uh, catered to them, essentially. They have their own graphics. They have their own mechanic, essentially, for the day. I mean, these kids are really getting the factory experience. And so from the time that they get there to the end of the day, it's nonstop. So the kids are getting practice. They're going to see the our factory team. So Aaron Plessinger, Cooper Webb, those guys. And of course, you know, there's other people that they are just, they cannot believe that they see these kids. And a lot of the pros are taking their time to come over, to say hi, to shake hands, to take a picture with them. And it's like these really core memories that we're making for these kids. And the the parents are just, you know, they're equally excited as the kids are, that their kids get to experience this. And I mean, even the kids that aren't necessarily on the podium are just thrilled at the end of the day and just so thankful to be part of the program. And you know, for us, it's an honor to be able to give these kids this opportunity. so the whole crew from our customer service team to our marketing team is just really there to make this a really special experience for these kids. and it's not you know, it's not a tryout to be on the team necessarily. it's it's a really an at random selection of kids from all over the country. We literally are putting these kids names in a hat to draw them to give them this um, special opportunity.
0: Wow, such a cool program. Kind of changing directions a little bit, though. Like I, you and I have known each other for a while, and and uh, I, I, you're the type of person that you know. As a marketing leader, I feel like you go out of your way to be a role model for young women who want a career in motorsports, marketing, or in racing. You encourage, you mentor them. Um, is that something that you just you really enjoy? Like, I mean, that seems like it's definitely a, a big part of what what you try and do and bring to the table at your job.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like I said before, I did not grow up in this sport. And so I kind of came in with something to prove essentially when I was younger, you know, and starting with starting with racing, looking at these different brands and the different people. And even then, the different women that were involved, it was very inspiring. Right. And going through that myself and getting to a place where I can talk to other women who might be younger than, you know, myself now and uplifting them and making sure that they know that, Hey, as a woman, you have space, you can take up space in this sport and in this industry. And it's important that you do. There's so many women in this industry and we don't know all of them. You know, we know some of them, but there's so many women that make such a massive impact in this sport. You know, I was telling uh, one of my colleagues the other day over in our marketing building, there's a room full of women that are super smart, super talented, and they absolutely love motorcycling and they ride themselves. And it's like, you know, we don't talk about these people enough and their potential and, and the difference that they're making in our sport. And when there's new women coming into the sport, I always encourage them to ride, you know, not, not everybody in the sport, of course, rides or races necessarily. They might just have a passion for racing, but I always encourage them to get on two wheels and learn how to ride because what motorcycling has done for my life, I don't even know if I can put it into words because it was so su- such a dramatic shift in my perspective and my thinking and the way that I approached my day-to-day life, what motorcycling taught me through racing forever changed my life. And so I want other women to understand what that means because what happens on the bike equally affects what happens off the bike. I think in your day-to-day life as a woman, it gives you confidence. It helps you to understand really what you're capable of and that you're a lot tougher than, than you think. And you can take up space rightfully so in this sport. So yeah, I'm, I'm super passionate about it because there's there's so many of us out there that work so hard and just love motorcycling.
1: And it tells such a great story, and I can hear the passion in your voice as you kind of kind of walked us through that history. And I really got to ask the broader question: Is what what does the industry have to do to draw more women into the sport? I mean, what's what can they do? You know, looking outward to the industry, how do we how do we draw young ladies? And, and I know you've done and set a great example, but how do we draw people in to become members of the of the wonderful sport that we participate in?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, exactly what you guys are doing, you know, having somebody like myself or other women on your show to just talk about who they are and what they do and the impact that they're making in the sport is important. There's notable women like Carrie Coons, Christy Sutherland, who actually worked in the company for quite some time before I did here. She brought other ladies in uh, who are still here in this company and successful. Anya Violet, she runs Babes in the Dirt and uh, Babes Right Out. You know, she's giving women a space and saying, Hey, you are welcome here. This is a place for you to come to learn to be. And we're going to talk about it and we're going to promote it. You know, and other brands respect that. And so, you know, they start talking about it. And I, for me, it's really, we have to talk about it. We have to acknowledge it. And we have to really look at what these women are doing because it's really impressive.
0: So, one more question before we wrap up. What do you think of these new athlete kind of self promotion vlogs and uh, other types of content that uh, athletes are using to promote themselves? Do you think that's a, a critical aspect of of being an athlete in, in today's uh, world of racing?
2: For sure, I, you know I think I wasn't necessarily around before Instagram. I think I was just learning how to ride and race when Instagram first came out. You know, but you had cycle news and you had magazines and things, and it's like you you didn't have so much content up to date, live information from these athletes and these individuals, you know, like you do now. And you have to be, you know, as an athlete, you're essentially your own advocate, right? You have to be your absolute biggest advocate. And so, social media, YouTube, these are all great platforms to do just that. And it essentially costs nothing. And I think people really want to know who's under the helmet. And when they learn who's under the helmet, they they get a a different perspective and you earn a different type of respect than maybe you had access to 20 years ago. And so I think that's really important because in different segments of the sport, most of us aren't making that much money racing, right? Like there's a, there's a very select group of people. And I think when people watch their heroes with the helmet off and what they talk about and what they do, it's very relatable. Um, that to me is just so important because who you are off the bike is equally as important as who you are on the bike and we have all of these great tools to really showcase that to showcase that now and i think the the connection now between you know having brands support those riders and vice versa is in this territory where it has to be really organic but it's really impactful
0: yeah, of course, the first one that comes to mind for me is the Justin Barsha series, which I think is just fantastic. I'm a huge Justin Barsha fan now as a result. And I mean, you guys got to be just super excited about that series. Meg, we really appreciate your time today. And if you'd like to take a moment to thank anyone or, or mention any other programs you have going on right now to our listeners, now would be the time to do that.
2: Everything that I do here at KTM Group is definitely not possible without my team that I've got here. So I've uh, got Jennifer... Brandon and Alyssa, and, you know, they're the the boots on the ground that's really making the magic happen. You know, we have a lot of exciting projects coming up right now. We're right in the middle of our Husqvarna Motorcycles Grit and Grind Series, which is looking after each of the athletes on the team in a really unique perspective and very individualized. So kind of behind-the-scenes, raw experience, not just, you know, an event highlight. So that's something to check out. We have our third episode launching here soon with RJ Hampshire, so that's something to uh, keep an eye out for as well. And if you're at any of our races um, that offer trackside support, absolutely come by and say hi to us.
0: Thanks a lot, Meg. We really appreciate what you do for the industry. Thanks again for your time today.
2: Thank you.
1: Thanks again to our guests for being with us today and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog and our brand new store where you can get your Pit Pass swag.
0: This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Bory helverson producer Leah Longbreak and audio engineer, Eric Now,
1: I'm Dale Spangler. And I'm Dave Silecki. We'll see you next week on Pit Pass Moto. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy.